0: hello and welcome to we random episode 16 recording live on twitch and we're going to send it out through the potosphere you know we just had thanksgiving and i gotta say there's one thing i'm thankful for at least i'm not a cowboys fan whoa more after this almost qualified productions
1: we're three beers in time for you to catch up Welcome to We Random, episode 16. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to the people, Christopher. Hello, people. That's quite the fitting intro, as uh, while I am not three beers in, I definitely brought in three different types of beer today for Black Friday. So (laughs) there was some beer shopping anyway. So uh, we hope you are all happy. We hope you are all safe. We hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Today, we are here to bring you We Random. As you know, this is our fantastic fun time where we use our Wheel of Doom to go through some selected topics. We have a nice topic list today that includes a lot of random stuff from baseball to COVID to Amazon to sad faces and more. So I say, how about we just jump right in and see what happens, Christopher? What are your thoughts on that?
0: I'm already spinning the wheel. Let's do it. Hopefully, got the wheel set up right this time. Section 230. All right. What the hell is Section
1: 230? That's what I said when I saw this article. I was like, (laughs) what the hell is Section 230? So Section 230, to give you a primer, Section 230 is a part of the Communications Decency Act of 1996, and Section 230 is what the internet calls a valuable tool for protecting the freedom of expression and innovation on the internet. Specifically, Section 230 says that no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. What that means to someone who doesn't write policy in a day-to-day basis is that the host of an internet site is not responsible if you put stupid shit on the internet. You <laughs> Nobody are does res- that. You are responsible for what you put on the internet. And obviously, there are a few exceptions, but basically Section 230 is why there can be user reviews and classified ads and all of these things, because if somebody posts something that's inappropriate, that user is liable and not the host. So the reason that Section 230 is a hot topic right now is because there was a congressional hearing about it, and a lot of politicians are kind of spouting off about how Section 230 needs to be changed and how... A lot of these big tech companies are skewing what people think, and like Section 230 is to blame. But there's also a push to think about how. Um, big tech companies in some ways are to blame too because if section 230 were to be changed it would make it more difficult for new entrants to compete with those bigger companies because the bigger companies are going to have more money for legal and more money for lawsuits and all of these things so this was something that you had put on the run sheet Christopher so I'd be interested to I tried to give a little bit of recap of it. what are your thoughts
0: about this whole section 230 thing I got a lot of thoughts on this. In fact, I think that this could be like our only topic for like five straight shows. And we'd have to bring on like lawyers to really understand all the stuff into this. But I think I think you kind of summed it up really well. Um, this The simple way to look at this is if I put something really stupid or, um, you know, libelous on Twitter, Twitter isn't to blame. I'm to blame. You can't sue Twitter. You got to sue me if that's the issue, right? That's kind of it in a nutshell. And and that's what allows Twitter and Facebook and Google and YouTube and all the, that's, that's what allowed these companies to become what they are, right? Because without that, you can't have people spouting off all the stupid shit that you see online. And trust me, there's a lot of stupid shit out there. So while, while I think that there, there's, you know, maybe some room for reform here, the idea that there's this big push to stop this to 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 delete this altogether is insane and and really the big push and the reason why we're talking about that is because everybody's favorite asshole in chief brought this up this week when uh what was it diaper don was uh was trending on twitter and he well he got all pissed off and i'd say his hair caught on fire but i'm pretty sure that's not real hair anyway um and so he, he, he said something about we need to repeal this this is stupid now now i would say that this is I hate to say that 1996 is like 25 years ago, which is freaking insane in my head, but it is. And and 25 years in the internet age is a freaking eternity. Think about what the internet looked like in 1996. I was barely even on the internet at that point. So I think that it, it definitely needs to be looked at. It needs to probably be reformed in some way, shape or form. But I think we have to be careful what we do, right? I think it's there's a lot of people that look at this especially Trump, right? Trump looks at this and says, "Well, how come Twitter is putting a tag on my post that say this is misleading and not true?" Well, it's because it's misleading and not true, let's be honest. But he sees that as censorship, which I, which I get, right? Cuz in a way it it is. They're they're censoring what he's saying. I think rightfully so because it's a bunch of bullshit. And but there are other people who think that it's not right to do that. I get that. So I, there there's there's a lot there's a lot of nuance there. A lot of gray area. It's not black and white. I think that there's there's going to be a heck of a fight. There, we need some really, really, really smart people to get into a room and hash this out, which is probably never going to happen. On top of that, there's all sorts of political clout on either side that's going to be impacting that. So that's going to make it even more difficult. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Facebook thinks this is great. Facebook says, let's get rid of it. And you would think, why do they want to do that? Well, because it hinders competition. So if you have... A new, a, new, uh, a, new, a new app or a new social network or something that comes up and they want to they become big. They want to become the next big thing. Maybe they're Parler. Everybody loves Parler. Nobody loves Parler. And, and they want to get out there and they want to do this. Well, they're going to have to monitor content. They're going to have to watch what people are saying. They're going to have to moderate it. They're going to have to delete stuff. They're going to have to ban users. They're going to have to do all of that. That takes a shit ton of money. On top of that, if something does slip through, now they have the possibility of getting sued. They have to be able to withstand those lawsuits. So Facebook, who's the the big kid on the block, they fucking love this because normally what they do is they just buy up any of the fucking uh, any of the competition that shows up anyway, right? Like Instagram was a was a uh, a competitor in some way. They just fucking bought them up, right? They just buy up everybody, or they just step on them until they disappear and and you know get ground into dirt. So Facebook loves it, but that's also a reason why you need a lot of smart people in that room to have this conversation because because of that nuance. For sure. And I think it's
1: very interesting with the thought that people want things to be moderated with neutrality, because what does neutrality really mean, right? Because when you're thinking about bots and ads and things like that, what if you have a bot that's posting political ads? Can you stop that? Can you not stop that? And I think One of the interesting things from the article that you had shared that I read was a lot of these companies don't always follow their terms of service anyway. So like in their terms of service, it'll say, we do not allow X, Y, and Z, but then they'll allow it when it's convenient for them, or they'll disallow it when it's convenient for them. So to say, oh, we have to administer this by neutrality. Well, like that, Like you said, it puts a large onus of responsibility on someone and especially for smaller (laughs) companies that might be too difficult to maintain if you only have so many people and so much time in a day as where Facebook could have, you know, all of these moderators and all of these things and all of these automated things to try to get their arms and hands around it.
0: Well, and the other thing too that we haven't even touched on, which adds to that nuance is... You know, there's evidence that marginalized groups are impacted by that moderation a whole lot more than those who aren't marginalized. So it's going to impact me a whole lot less than it's going to impact a whole lot of other people. Um, And that's a problem because now what are we going to we're going to end up in a point where we're silencing those voices that we need to hear more of. You know, that's, and that's just, again, more of that nuance. This, this is a really big, big issue in my mind. I think this is something that it needs to be looked at, yes, but it needs to be looked at with, you know, with kit gloves on because it would be very, very easy to screw this up wholly.
1: Well, and I think another thing, and this is probably going to take us off track. So I don't want to run too far down this road. I just kind of want to like take three steps and like point. Run think, for us, run. I think some of this is training people to use the internet better. This is kind of like that thing that we talked about last week with fleets where it's like, well, I can just put this fleeting thing out there and no one will remember it. The internet remembers everything. So we really need to train people, what are you putting on the internet and why are you putting this on the internet and what are you taking from the internet in terms of what you're listening to and what you're watching and what you're believing because that's why we have to put these disclaimers on people's posts to begin with because Aunt Nora on Facebook is like, oh, look, he said this. Right. And it's like, that's not accurate. But it's on Facebook. And no one on my Facebook lies to me because these are all my friends. And we know that that's not true.
0: Yeah. There there's and, and you're never gonna be able to to educate the masses like that, right? It's just it's never gonna happen. So I don't know. It's 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 a very interesting Argument. It's a very interesting conversation that's going to be happening, I think, um, and I, I think everybody needs to have their voices heard, right? Um, but, but yeah, I, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with this.
1: Well, and I think just by it coming up in the political sphere, that almost gives it a political twist, oh to yeah, you because. Well,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I hate to cut you off, but you know, we I kind of started this off talking about Trump and like that he is the most visible person on social media. Like he's probably the most visible person in the world period, but but especially on social media on Twitter and that. And then the and as soon as Twitter kind of put their foot down a little bit. I mean, they didn't stomp it down, but they just kind of like tiptoe down there and they started to put those those notices on there. You know that he was going absolutely ape shit and and they're they're making a stand at that point. Like you you no matter what you do, if you if you try to, I don't think censor is the right word, but but impact his message in any way, you're making a huge statement. So so Twitter really kind of jumped on it and said, look, this is something that we need to do. Um, and I think it's the right thing to do, right? I mean, and, and obviously somebody who has a different political view than me thinks that it's absolutely the most horrific thing ever. But I think it's horrific that people share fake false information. I think that... You know, these people who we should be able to trust that are flat out lying to us. I think that's a problem. And to your point, Aunt Nora doesn't know that he's lying to her. He just she just believes he's the president. Of course, he's fucking telling me the truth. He's a leader of our country. He is the person on the top of the I got to choke down best country in the world. You know, he's got to be telling us the truth. And people are going to buy that. And, it, and, and entire, you know, the, the, the stock market is going to change on every word that he says. Business is going to change. The way that people are treated is going to change. So many things are impacted. And So when he's spouting off about bullshit that isn't true, yes, I think that we need to have some sort of notification say, look, this is not accurate. But then, of course, the, the other side of it is, is who's making that decision? What is their angle? Do they have a political influence on it, right? Like I, I would probably make certain decisions on that account that that wouldn't necessarily be right on the line because fuck him anyway. But I, there's, there's, again, whenever politi- politics get involved onto that and people have different opinions, different points of view, it gets kind of ugly, which again, and we've talked about this with um, with a lot of the, like the Black Lives Matter and, and the social justice type of stuff is, that's why you need a committee of individuals who, who can look at things and have conversations and hopefully get things done. I think the problem we're running into, especially today, more than possibly any time in history, is people are so polarized that when you get a group of people together, I don't know how much stuff is actually going to get done. So we'll see, right. I guess.
1: I would agree. And I think that's a good way to look at it. It's like we need to come together. And the more that we decide that we want to be apart, the harder that it's going to be to make progress on any of this
0: stuff. Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, let's spin the wheel and continue to use our uh, freedom of speech here to talk about some more topics. <laughs> let's do it. Uh. <laughs> All right, you're laughing. I don't see what's on the wheel yet because I want to delay, so I'm I'm a little I'm, scared.
0: I'm going to wait because I want you to read this for just because of the way that I wrote it on here.
1: Oh, now I know what it is, because I already see it in the little topic window. So, (laughs) The Packers and MVBS. All right. So we have a couple of different topics to talk about with your Green Bay Packers. So obviously you will be hearing this after the Packers play this weekend, but we're going to talk about what happened with your Green Bay Packers when they played an awful, terrible, no-good football game against the Indianapolis Colts.
0: They fucking suck.
1: (laughs) That game? was capped by a fumble in overtime by Marquez valdez (laughs) Scantling that had the internet abuzz. Um, MVS wrote on Twitter, quote, Death threats over a football game? Jesus, you people need help. It's actually sick. I'm good. My team's got my back. Many of his teammates did tweet in support of MVS, and his head coach also provided support for him when a media member asked him point blank, how can you deal with MVS? Now, there's a couple things here that I want to talk about with the Packers. Number one, with MVS, I don't feel like you should ever be sending athletes death threats for their performance in sports. Like That is just not something that we should be doing. We should not be tweeting athletes that kind of crap in general, whether it's over fantasy sports or their real life performance or whatever. We can also acknowledge that some people aren't very good in their sport compared to what we want them to be. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we should wish bad things upon them. Like I've said on this podcast many times, I feel like MVS has the hardiest forest wood for hands. Like the guy, if you threw him you know, a fish out of water, he might not catch it. Like, it's just kind of one of those things. Like, he tries very hard. Like, he does the absolute best that he can. I've never watched MVS and thought that he was lazy or he wasn't trying hard or whatever. So, you know, I have no real animosity towards the dude, right? But, I mean, it's hard with something like that, because people get so in their feelings about football. They're like, oh, my God, this man sucks. And then, like, on Thanksgiving, you watch Will Fuller score 33 fantasy points and, like, 180 yards or whatever he had in that game against the Lions, and then you feel really sad because the
0: Packers are like, well –
1: we might bring in Tavon Austin. So,
0: you know. Dude, let me just say, when I read that, I'm like, you motherfuckers. You know, you could have drafted a fucking wide receiver or two, but. Okay, go on. I'm sorry.
1: Well, and the funny part is Tevon Austin really would be brought in to replace Tyler Irvin. Because it sounds like Tyler Irvin's not doing
0: real yeah, well. He's, he's gone. Yeah.
1: But, like, that's the whole thing about MVS. So I don't feel like he should be getting the death threats. What are your thoughts about the death threats piece before we just talk about the Packers as a whole?
0: Death threats are stupid as fuck. So, you know, this kind of ties into something I was going to mention on the the last topic that um, that eluded me. I I was I was listening to you so intently that I lost it Um, anonymity online. This yes. is a big 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 problem this is why you see this a lot more on Twitter than you do on Facebook um, it's because we thought that anonymity right when when the when the internet kind of started and Twitter came around anonymity seemed like a great thing people can have these conversations you know they can they can share content they can they can kind of keep their privacy but still be on a, online but the problem is it just went way off track and now people are just ugly, horrible fucking people. And the thing is, that's who these people are, right? So there there was a big blow up on Twitter in in the gaming sphere this last week um, where a couple of women were attacked like uh, not that physically attacked, but verbally attacked. Um, some big huge uh, YouTube channel really went after them and uh, somebody had commented somewhere along the line, I don't remember where it was. I think it was in the discord for that YouTube channel that was attacking them. Um, and basically the person said, "I'm not racist. this is online this is this is this isn't the real world. I'm not racist in the real world. this is just online stuff. No, a you're an asshole two you're an asshole. And three, you're a fucking racist. That's just who you are. And people are more comfortable sharing that information um, out on the internet because they're they're anonymous, right? Um, And I think that's a huge, huge problem. I would hate for the fact, I hate that we should get away from that. That, That's kind of where we are, is we kind of have to dial that back because of all this shit. So then that takes us to the death threats, which are just absolutely insane. What the fuck is wrong with people? Like, I don't like MVS. As a player, like I'm not I don't know the guy as a person, but as a player, I'm not excited about it. The guy drops more balls than he catches. He's he's not great. I I I want them to replace him with somebody, but I'm not gonna send fucking death threats to the guy, right? Like, what the hell is wrong with that? And I think that we need to balance that too, because we have the 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 best access to athletes that we've ever had in our lives, right? Like you can communicate directly with these people, with these athletes or actors, whoever it is, these people that that you respect, that you idolize, that you root for, like you can con- you can you can talk with them on Facebook or on on Twitter or on Twitch or whatever the case may be. Um but but that comes with responsibility too, right? Like you you can't like doing this is, is just asinine. And it it, it infuriates me on so many levels. Like we've talked about the different ways that people are assholes online and this is just one more example of that. I would agree and it's
1: just one of those things where people need to take that responsibility to think about would you do this to this person in person? And if you say no, then why are you doing it online? Right? It goes back to your point of if you do it, you're an asshole. Whether you do it in person, you're an asshole. If you do it online, you're an asshole. If you do it in both places, guess what
0: you're still an asshole so yeah i think i think a part of the problem too is that and and we've had this type of conversation about some of the other social justice issues that we've talked about people are assholes it's just people are bigoted assholes and that that's kind of the world that we live in not everybody mind you but there's a lot of them out there and we're seeing people feel more comfortable sharing that and we've seen it online we've seen it in the gaming world it is fucking insane you see that all over the place and now people are starting to feel more comfortable taking that like this asshole in the discord server and they're starting to show that in the real world too so it's always been there it's always been there behind the scenes yeah you know in in private when i'm at home i may be saying certain things or doing certain things but people didn't have a didn't have that um that way of kind of letting it seep out into the real world and the internet really opened that up. And then on top of that, that you know, these people get into these uh, these little hub holes with other people that think the same way they do. And then it just kind of grows. It's just asinine. I think it's, it's, it's a very scary thing that these people are actually sending this, these comments. Most of them don't have the balls to do anything about it, but just the fact they're thinking that and feeling that is, is asinine. Um, And, the more that this is out there and it just keeps building on top of itself, the more that I'm worried that it's going to become an even bigger problem than it already is. I agree. And do you know what is also a big problem? What's that? The Green Bay Packers defense. Like, Oh, Jesus. Fuck. Wait, 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 wait. One second. What? What's that? Oh, wait. That's the wrong one. They <laughs> fucking suck. That's the one. <laughs> I think they both were appropriate for That's, the scenario. They pretty much
1: hour, yeah. But, like, the whole thing – so the MBS part aside, that game, I called that a ball-don't-lie game because there is no way that the Packers should have had the opportunity to win that game based on how they played. Like, their defense, like, you could have – suited up a 75 year old. Oh, wait, what's that? Philip Rivers is a 75 year old man, basically, (laughs) like, you could have suited up a 75-year-old man, and he could have run right up the middle on this defense. Like They gave the Colts anything that they wanted. Philip yeah. Rivers was just messing around and let them get just back in the game enough that they could throw a ball down the seam to our old friend, uh, MVS, and three defenders converge on him, and he actually catches the ball. And yeah, I'm like, right. what? So then – Like, the fumble, I'm like, yeah, this is a ball-don't-lie game. Like, this is the straight-up Rasheed Wallace ball-don't-lie. Like, the ball is just telling us that they didn't deserve to win this game. Like, the other thing that, like, boils me about this team is that they make poor decisions again and again and again. And they're rewarded for those poor decisions again and again and again. Now, don't get me wrong – I think that Jamal Williams is a fine football player. Like He is your league average running back dude that can step in and do a good job. There's no reason that that man should be on the field on fourth down when Aaron Jones is on the sideline. Unless Aaron Jones has fallen down, has the coronavirus, and can no longer play, that man needs to be on the field on fourth down.
0: Well, and they threw it to Jamal Williams too, didn't they? They did, but that yeah. play like that
1: wasn't his fault. Like that play was a hot mess to begin with. But the fact that Aaron Jones wasn't even on the field, I'm like, no, you have earned this L. Please take it. But yeah, and then this week it comes out there there's a lot of hubbub about Preston Smith and how he's not performing this year, how they had hoped in there wanting to give Rashawn Gary more playing time and which they should. It's just like a whole I, – I still don't understand how this defense can be so bad. And then the kicker is that this Sunday they're in prime time and our favorite sad trombone Mitch Trubisky, is back, baby. And uh, <laughs> he's – we're, we're going to get to see this uh, great Packers defense against uh, sad trombone And I'm a little scared, Big C. I can't lie to you.
0: You know, it, the, I've been – how long have I been bitching about this defense? I don't even know. It's uh, – I I, I kind of get tired of bitching about it all the goddamn time. But it's – this this defense is so horrible. And to your point, like, they shouldn't be. They've got some legit players on, on the defensive side of the ball. They've got possibly the best cornerback in the league. They've got, you know, one of the better rush guys in the league. They You know, middle of the line, uh, Kenny – what's his name? Kenny Kenny something. Kenny Clark, I think. Of. Kenny Clark is one of the best interior linemen in the league. Like he's not Aaron Donald, but he's you know he's he's in the discussion of you know top ten or something. Like they've got legit players on that defense, and they are absolute fucking garbage. Now they probably don't have a linebacker, so maybe they could use one or two of those. But they're just they're just trash. But like you cannot ever count on that defense to to stop anybody. You just can't.
1: Like there, the, there were so many times on Sunday, and it was funny because one of the announcers, I think it was Troy Aikman, he's like, "I'd love to be able to tell you what the Packers' defense was doing there, but I right. don't know because Nobody like they knows. had they had a linebacker trying to cover a wide receiver on a slant route, and it's like, um, oh, that's not gonna work,
0: guys." Yeah, it's I don't know what the fuck they're doing, and I've said it before. I was super excited when Petten came in. I thought that he was going to do some exciting things but it's been fucking trash like the guy's gotta go and and i think what really blows my mind is this we haven't had a good defense since what super bowl time <laughs> rep Favre super bowl t- i don't even know yeah because like, the, the 45 defense
1: was terrible too but like they figured it out
0: <laughs> yeah it's just like we we've got to do something and i understand that they you know that they're they've they've been lucky, and I, I we had this conversation earlier this week. Is you know they've gotten lucky that they got back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks, but dude, when when Aaron Rodgers retires, we are going to be a fucking three win football team, Garen fucking Teed. Because we're, we, we're, we're not going to have a quarterback that can save our ass. Our defense is complete trash. We're going to give up 25, 30 points a game, which when Aaron Rodgers is, is scoring 25, 30, 35 points a game, you can kind of get by. But when you got Jordan fucking Love or whoever the fuck they're going to throw back there, you know, throwing three picks and maybe a touchdown a game, you're not winning any games, man. And, it, you know, here's, here's maybe, maybe this is a silver lining. This is This is the glass half full approach. As I was watching my second favorite team, whoever's playing the Cowboys, that's probably not my second favorite team. Probably my third favorite team. I I was watching, um, oh, God, what's his name? Chase something. Chase Young, is that right? The the number two pick? Yeah. This dude is a fucking stud. Like, just like, dude. And I'm watching this guy just fucking wreak havoc on this team, and I'm like, Dude, why do we never get a fucking stud like that? And the reason is because we're we're always drafting like 25th or something, right? But in a couple of years, baby, we're going to be in the top 5 of the draft and maybe we can get us a defensive stud that makes me excited. Kind of. It's, it's true.
1: Although, like, the last time they were up at 12, like, I, I don't even remember who they picked, but I don't feel like that worked out for them
0: <laughs> anyway. Probably someone garbage you yeah, on your own. So, right. yeah. I
1: don't know. It's just one of those things where it's frustrating, but we're going to be fans, and we're going to watch, and we're going to see what happens, and we're going to hope, and we're going to see, you know, does MVS drop more balls? Does the defense give up more runs? And most importantly, does Mitch Trubisky get benched again? Oh, but here's the fun part. So... Yeah. Do you want to hear your fun circle of life for the NFL before we move to our next topic? Sure. So, as we were just talking about, Mr. Trubisky was initially benched for Nick Foles. Nick right. Foles, when he was in Jacksonville, was benched for um, he was benched for Gardner Minshew, who was then benched for Jake Luton who was benched for Mike Glennon, who initially was the one who got benched for Mitch <laughs> for Trubisky, Trubisky in Chicago. Oh,
0: <laughs> Let's give it up, everybody, to the Chicago Bears. They fucking suck. <laughs> and
1: that's our transition to the next topic. <laughs> Spin in the wheel.
0: Sad faces about SMS. What is that all about, B?
1: Obviously, when you see the little green bubble, you feel sad, right? (laughs) Okay, so sad faces about SMS. Google has rolled out something they call the RCS-based chat in their messaging app. So this is something that's been a couple of years in the making. It's not an iMessage for Android that many were hoping that it would be, but it has been something that has enhanced the uh, Android market. The Android market has a pretty vast majority of the world's smartphone market. So um, the Google folks are single-handedly responsible for rolling out this RCS worldwide. And basically the thing with RCS chat is that it supports many of the same features of iMessage, such as higher quality media, message reactions, typing indicators, and things like that. And also with the um, RCS, It is soon to support end-to-end encryption, so that's something that's going to help it to be more safe. Now, people are kind of starting to push back and saying, well, like, why isn't iMessage playing nice with this so we can finally all be connected? Because Apple always talks about how they want things to be safe and privacy-centric, but... When you're messaging with someone who has an Android phone, it's falling back on the SMS-based green bubble. And SMS, as we talked about last week, is one of the least secure formats of you know, telecommunication. So this is just something that's interesting. And as you're a tech person and a privacy person, I wanted to get your input on what this is all about and what your thoughts are on it.
0: Yeah, so... <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts under this one. So first of all, um, I think it's great that Google finally, after I don't know how many years, finally got this thing kind of running and out there. Um, I, re- I remember that uh, I worked on a project around this probably two, three years ago. And even at that point, they were years into this. Like They've been talking about it forever. Um, and if anybody out there uses an Android phone, I'm sure you've noticed that your messaging app or you know, your communication app through through Google and through Android has changed like seven times in the last few years. And that's because they keep trying stuff. The good thing about Google is they keep trying. So I'm glad that they finally got this. I'm glad that they're going to be going to end-to-end encryption. And I'm glad that they're eventually moving away from SMS. All of that is is extremely positive stuff. Uh, I, can, I can do the the Android fanboy thing and say, well, iPhone has had that for 78 years. But, you know, the point is it's great that they're getting there. Um, yes, to your point about the green bubble, I mean, everybody hates to see that, right? Because the, as anyone who's used any kind of, you know, rich text messaging uh, type of application, so whether that's iMessage, Facebook Messenger is kind of similar, Signal is kind of similar, where you can send, you know, images really quickly and fancy little things or maybe play games across it, whatever the case may be. It's a much, much better experience. On top of that, if it's encrypted, it's a much more private experience, which is good. All of that is positive. Um, iMessage has been doing that for years, but only if you're communicating with somebody who also has an iPhone and has iMessage turned on or an iOS-type device, I should say, or a Mac, uh, an Apple-type device. If you don't have that or if the network quality isn't working quite right, then it sends it as SMS, which is incredibly insecure. Unsecure? Unsecure is probably the word I want. Um, and that's an issue. That's a problem. So, you know, how are these going to work together? I don't know. I suspect Apple is not going to want to integrate with, uh, with Google's messaging thing. Apple is incredibly privacy-focused, um, and because of that, they want to keep everything in-house, right? They don't, they, don't, they don't like to play partners and share too much because at that point, you're once something is out of your control, you don't, you don't know what's happening to it, right? Somebody else is then owning that. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I don't suspect there's going to be a whole lot of playing nicely through there. Um, I don't know how the technology would work if you're doing end to end encryption. Um, I don't think the two messaging platforms themselves will be able to like coexist. I mean, I don't think I can send a, an, an S, um, an I message to somebody on an Android who's using RCS and it's going to stay encrypted that whole way. Maybe they could do that. I think it'd be great if they could, I would be great if, um, You know, my iMessage can connect through to somebody on that Android using that RCS, whatever the app is that they're using. And we can still communicate with some of those, um, you know, more data centric type of things. Like I can, I can send somebody on an iPhone a message and put a little sticker on there or something. It's cool. It's fun. It's, you know, allows for a little bit more dynamic conversation versus just text. I don't know what's going to happen. My gut tells me that it's probably going to stay separate, Um, but it'll be interesting to see how. That default is going to work, especially if Android decides to go the route of, you know, do they just get rid of SMS altogether, which I don't know that there's talk of that, but that would be super interesting because then what happens when iMessage wants to send to somebody that's not on an iPhone, how does that happen? So I say everybody just gets signal and we're all better off for it. Yeah, I mean Signal's interesting. Like for me, like I feel
1: like Signal's an extra step, but I also feel like it's nice now that it does integrate phone numbers. So people can either text you just at your number or they can send you stuff straight through Signal. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it's great though. Um especially in the you know the privacy side of things. I think this is a a huge step for um for Google. And and as the um I think you mentioned this, or at least our little write up has it, but You know, a huge percentage, 70, 80 percent of the world uses an Android based phone. So um, making that more secure is a huge, huge win all around. Agreed. We all know how important information security is. That's right. Get rid of your Amazon Echoes. Anyway, are we ready to spin?
1: What if that comes up on the wheel? Oh, yeah, we
0: might have that on here. Do you need
1: need to throw your challenge flag so we can talk about that?
0: I don't know, maybe. But first, this is a holdover from last week, and I'm glad that we're going to talk about this one. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her name, though. Kim NG? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Yeah,
1: same. So that's what we're going to go with. But we wanted to mention this because we thought that this was interesting. Kim NG has become the first woman to be nominated as a general manager in Major League Baseball. So... Uh, based on that, there's kind of a lot of people that are like, this is great and, you know, this is amazing. And one of the things about this is, you know, an article that I read talked about 30 years of patient observation. So one of the things is that Kim and moved through the ranks, starting as an intern in the University of Chicago, playing softball, working her way up into MLB offices, including working for the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees. So a lot of time and dedication was spent into this. And people are like, you know, while this is great, we still need to look at how half the population in America occupies just slivers of the top professions across our world. So one of the things that I pulled out, because I like data, is the Bureau of Labor Statistics 2019 outlook shows that 19% of software developers are women. They make up just 13.4% of aerospace engineers, 9% of aircraft pilots and flight engineers, 22.4% of clergy, 12.4% of decision makers in U.S. venture capital firms, and on and on, right? And it's just interesting to see that there are still lots of places where women have not yet been either allowed the opportunity or have not you know, been advanced that opportunity. I don't want to necessarily say not sought the opportunity because I'm sure that there are people who have, but it's interesting to note that while this is definitely an achievement, we need to continue to do better. This is kind of similar to me to that NFL diversity thing next week, last week. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I was going to make that, that same connection, right? Like we, we talked last week about how it's important that for, for, to have a more diverse workforce at a higher level of, of the NFL or, or really any any business, you have to have people who throughout the ranks, right? Like, like you, you can't have a company that's 98% white males and then just, you know, stick a, a black man or a black woman at the top of that company and say, look, we're good. Like, right? Like you can't have the Green Bay Packers who maybe their entire front office is white guys, but then you hire a black coach. Hey, we're great. Look at that diversity. That's not how it works, right? You've got, you need a lot more diversity among the ranks. On top of that, I think she is a perfect example of somebody who started basically at the bottom and just worked her ass off to get to the point where she's being recognized and has the opportunity to, uh, to help lead a team. And I think that's super, super important. I think that, um, that diversity in, in all walks of life, I think it's important through, throughout an entire organization, throughout all the different departments and all the di- different roles in, in a uh, a company are important and in, in teams and in, in sports teams. But I think that it goes way beyond that. And I think it starts as their kids, I think as people are growing up, right? Because one of the arguments that I have seen, and these are from asshole people online too, is, uh, you know, we talk about the the, the STEM Areas right, which is what science, technology, maybe math. I don't. I don't even know what the stems are. I should know that, but I don't. Yeah, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. There we go. So there's there's a there's a lot of uneducated opinions that well girls just don't like that stuff. Well, maybe maybe they don't, but they've also been engineered since they were very very young that these are the things you like, right? I mean, we could even tie this into gender identity and all sorts of things. But, you know, when, when, when you've got your, you know, your five-year-old twin boy and girl, right. Um, you're probably giving the boy a football and giving the girl a doll. So does it make sense then? Like, 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 why are we shocked that 10 years later, the boy wants to try out for the football team and the girl wants to take home back or something. Right. I'm making a lot of, you know, generalities there, but like you've conditioned people into a certain way of being. And, so so it makes sense that's why a lot of this stuff doesn't happen and i know i'm taking this way out of the sports world but i think this is a much much bigger topic than just the sports world so if you if you, if you're if you're pumping your son with hey go play a bunch of video games and maybe he wants to get into software engineering but because the girl was playing house maybe she wants to go into being a chef or something so i think that's where a big part of this impact comes from is early on throughout their entire childhood Boys and girls, or whatever gender, whoever they are, need to be given a wide swath of education and experiences, and let them figure out what they want to do. And and maybe there's there's a uh, an importance right now, specifically, to kind of make sure that girls and and other you know outside of of just just being female, but but other. Um, uh what am I looking for? Like other demographics, you know, based on your religion, based on your ethnic, you know, background, whatever the case may be, maybe we need to make sure that they're getting experience and exposure to those areas, making sure that they they know what careers are out there as uh somebody who, you know, um, maybe something in the computer world or in engineering or in math or those those areas where you don't see. a a big number of minorities or women, which I guess falls into the minority category. Maybe we try to help push them a little bit in that direction just to give them an exposure. It doesn't mean you drag them kicking and screaming and say, you're going to be an engineer, but at least open the door and say, hey, I want you to go experience this. I've got a niece who's 15 years old And I continue to give her exposure to computer programming and and, uh, coding and those types of things just to show her, hey, these are things that you could do. This is stuff you might be interested in. Maybe she hates it. Maybe she never wants to do it. But I want to make sure that she's at least exposed to it and I can give her some education and I can walk her through and teach her some of these things to at least give her that exposure. And then she can make up her mind at least at least she can't say 10 years from now. Well, I never even knew that I could code stuff. I didn't even know that existed. She's not going to have that as, I don't want to say an excuse, but that's not an experience that she's had. So it at least opens that door to some, some degree for her. I think that's super, super important. And I have really talked for a long time.
1: <laughs> well, and I don't <laughs> want to let you go on that because I, so as you all know, loyal listener, I work in higher education. And one of the things that we see oftentimes is that there is a skew between people's opinions on different subjects, right? So if we look at something like computer programming, and when I talk about computer programming, I'm talking about those math magical, math -math magical, oh my. (laughs) Math magical, I like it. This isn't even a beer sponsored podcast tonight. Uh, That was just a straight up like new word That That's show title,
0: that's show title right there. (laughs)
1: mathematical. So we're talking about the mathematical loops, logic, arrays, things like that. And one of the things that we often find is that there are times where, you know, females are told and taught, like math is really hard. Like it might not be something that you want to do, but like there are people who have the aptitude to do it. And it's just a matter of helping folks to feel comfortable with it and to want to do it. And if they don't want to do it, cool, but don't kind of discourage them on doing it just because you think it might be too hard for them. Right. Like, but that's what I tell, like I talk to every prospective student that I talk to is you need to figure out how you feel about math. I'm not going to tell you how you feel about math. If you tell me that you don't like math, I'm going to say, okay, that's fine. Like you cannot like it, but if you don't like it, then you also have to think about is this career area for you? Because that's what this career area entails. And some of that is how these things play out with sports. You know, some people might say, well, I don't really want to deal with X, Y, and Z. Great. You have that autonomy and you have that choice. But to take that choice away from someone, I think, is where we as a society often go wrong. And I think that's where we drill down like you were saying to the kids thing it's like if a boy wants to play with dolls you're like oh well, that boy can't play with those dolls or if a girl wants to play with you know the racing cars you're like well do you really want to play with this dollhouse instead right. let people do whatever the fuck they want if they yeah. want to wear a dress let them wear a dress if they don't want to wear a dress don't let them wear a dress just don't let them run naked around a neighborhood that's really uh, the only thing that we would not recommend that you let them do right
0: I, I don't know be the internet told me that you can't be a real man if you wear a dress that's just what i heard it's what the internet told me it must be true
1: the internet also told you that there's widespread election fraud and COVID 19 isn't a thing so what do you want to believe
0: that's true (laughs) fuck the internet man
1: (laughs) anyway i think we've spotted on enough about this so congrats to uh, kim ng and her new role and we will spin the wheel what are your thoughts
0: I think that we're not going to spin the wheel because I'm going to throw my challenge flag because we probably only have enough time for one more topic. Okay. And I want to make sure that we're talking about the Amazon privacy thing. Oh, what if COVID was my challenge flag? Like? <laughs> Too right, late. Wait.
1: I threw mine first. All right. Well, let's talk about the Amazon privacy thing and see how much
0: time we've got. All right. What do you, well, you get you got to let us in. You got to walk us through it. What's the deal?
1: All right. So we are going to walk through Amazon's privacy backlash. Amazon, everyone's Favorite company is launching a product or service called Sidewalk in the United States. They call this an opt-out feature. The company says will connect Echo and Ring doorbells to any nearby Alexa device, even those owned by your neighbors. Amazon oh, yay. says Amazon says Sidewalk uses Wi-Fi from neighbors to create a shared network that helps devices work better. But some have raised privacy concerns about this. Sidewalk uses Alexa devices, including Echo and the video doorbell, to create a shared network that helps devices work better, quote-unquote, according to Amazon. It allows nearby devices to use a portion of a neighbor's Wi-Fi bandwidth so devices can have more range. Um, It looks like this is a bridge device and shared, I don't, like, for me, my first thing was like, why am I giving Wi-Fi to other people? If you don't pay for your own Wi-Fi, that's your problem.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's true. So it's just kind of in layman's terms, as I understand it, and I am certainly not an expert in this area, but um, I I am a a strong reader of this kind of stuff. Um, Basically what Amazon wants to do, is they want to create their own network using part of the bandwidth of your Wi-Fi, um, which I don't. It's it's a small-ish amount, but it's still a significant amount. I mean, if you if you are, I think they said up to five hundred gigabytes, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't a huge amount. But if you are, um, somebody on like a limited data plan, that's a huge that's a huge amount of, of data. Although 500 gigabytes seems high, so maybe that isn't the right number. But the point is, they want to create their own little Wi-Fi area. And and each of your Amazon devices, whether it's an Echo or a Ring doorbell or whatever the case may be, it's going to be on that network. And it's also going to expand that network. So think about if you visually... I should have created a visual for this. If you visualize like your house, right? And each of your... um your 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 Wi-Fi router, like it has a bubble that's kind of covering your house, and that's where your Wi-Fi range is. Um, let's say you've got an extender, you've got a mesh network, then each one of those access points has a bubble that kind of comes off of it, right? And that kind of shows the way that your house is laid out, where your Wi-Fi signal is. Well, now you can add a bubble to each one of those Amazon devices. You're all of your echoes and your ring doorbell. And the one thing you'll find is, well, now maybe that bubble is extending outside of your house more. And now, now imagine your neighbor's house and they've got those bubbles extending out. Now, all of a sudden, there's this huge shared network among houses, which from Amazon's perspective is amazing for a number of reasons, right? Uh, so first of all, it makes sure that you always have access. So that could be a good thing for you too, right? If uh, uh, let's say Brian has... The, the, the doorbell, a lock. I think Amazon has like a doorbell lock thing. Well, maybe the power's out. He can't get into his house, but but it's tied into the neighbor's Wi-Fi now. And for some reason, their Wi-Fi is working so he can get into his house or something like that. You know, it's a crazy, crazy example, but something like that might happen, which should be a positive thing. Um, the other thing that's great for Amazon is it gives them a whole lot more data on you which is what they love. Amazon's a data company just as much as Facebook, just as much as Twitter. You know, they they want all that extra data. My concern, and a lot of people's concerns I think, is now you've got people who you don't know accessing your network, your private network. Now Amazon says they released a white paper, which I haven't read because 90% of it's probably over my head. They say there's like three layers of encryption there and nobody can get through that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know what? I'm just not gonna let you on my network. Like it's that simple. Like that's, that's the way that I can make sure that doesn't happen. I don't need your extra wifi stuff. And so I don't wanna be a part of it. So great, I'm not gonna sign up. But that's the rub because this is not an opt-in service. This is an opt-out service. And what that means is Amazon is automatically turning this on for all of their devices. Automatically turned on. So if you're the type of person who doesn't regularly check your email, doesn't understand how to set these things up, doesn't check your settings, which let's be honest is a vast majority of people, automatically it's gonna be turned on. And in my mind, that is is an extreme invasion of their privacy. Certainly an invasion of my privacy. Now you could say, well, they can just turn it off whenever they want, sure. Maybe they read the email and they're gonna go in and make sure it's turned off. That's possible too. Um, I personally don't trust Amazon not to turn it back on in three months when I'm not looking. I just don't trust them to do that. So me personally, every Echo device in my house is gone. I I was a little bit on the fence as to wanting them here anyway. um, And now I've decided they're gone. I've unplugged them. Well, I haven't yet. But before the end of the weekend, they're all going to be unplugged. I'm done. I'll give them away to friends and family if they want it. If they trust it, that's fine. I I can't tell anybody else. Okay, I can and I probably will. But I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't have an, an Amazon device in your house. But what I will say is go do some of the research. Go look at what some people are saying. Give it a little bit of time, too, because as people start to research this a little bit more, and that may happen after it uh, is implemented, you're going to see a lot more research on what this looks like and how easy it is to get through their encryption, et cetera, et cetera. Do, do some of your own reading and looking into that. I know that it's not easy. I know that it's not fun. I know that it, there's a steep learning curve on it. Uh, but you're going to find that a lot of... Uh, very popular media and news sites are probably going to be covering this in much more layman's terms. And we absolutely will, too, because it's something I'm very passionate about. So that's my call to arms is uh, just just do a little bit of that research and look out for yourself.
1: Makes sense. So Amazon is
0: no more. No
1: more in your household. They fucking Apple, suck. Apple is taking over.
0: The, I mean, yeah, I, tr- I trust Apple. I don't trust Amazon. It's really what it comes down to. At least I trust Apple more than I trust Amazon. Let's let's put it that way.
1: I mean, it's interesting, though. Like, Amazon has always had weird stuff. Like, I have a friend who always told me, if you ever have one of those Amazon devices, I'm just coming over to your house and ordering random stuff because it's not going to know <laughs> that it's you. So. That's true. <laughs>
0: yeah, if you have that turned on, it could absolutely happen. And, and then the other thing worth mentioning is that Amazon has multiple different situations that have come up that have shown issues with privacy. Tons of them have. And to be fair, Apple's had that too, where they've recorded certain things on your devices. Um, like when you're talking to Siri or whatnot, or S- where Siri gets automatically triggered and uh, they're recording stuff. That that happens there too. They all do that. They all have that in their their um, terms of service. Um, but Amazon's had a bunch of different things that have come up. And, and that's something I don't want to, I've talked about this enough, but something worth looking at as well. And And all of these companies are going to have them to some degree. The other thing to keep in mind, too, just on a grander scale outside of this main point is anytime you're connecting any sort of device to your home network, be very diligent at looking at what the security looks like. The truth of the matter is the vast, vast, vast majority of them are completely horrible and they're leaking your data. They're allowing people access into your network. Be very, very, very careful with those. That's fair. All
1: right, so we're at a crunch point time. We can try to get through this random COVID topic, which I think is going to be kind of interesting. Do you want to try to set like a time limit on
0: it and see if we can get through it? Well, if we're going to do a ranking thing and we're going to do an extra point, I've got a hard stop at seven, so we can try it. We'd have to you know, put like five, ten minutes on it. We might be able to do it. All right, so basically the
1: thing with this COVID topic is – We need to get our arms around COVID because everybody is still cray-cray for COVID. So, as you know, um, lots of people were having Thanksgiving this week and lots of politicians and lots of other people were saying, hey, you really shouldn't go do Thanksgiving. So, for example, the mayor of Denver, Michael Hancock, urged people to stay home for Thanksgiving, then conveniently flew across the country to see his family. Like within <laughs> an hour of him
0: sending that message.
1: Within an hour, he flew to Mississippi with his wife and daughter. When this came out, he tweeted, I made my decision as a husband and father. And for those who are angry and disappointed, I humbly ask you to forgive decisions that are born of my heart and not my head.
0: Like, No, you're an, <laughs> an asshole.
1: Like, meanwhile, Pope Francis wrote an op-ed <laughs> where he praised <laughs> medical workers and criticized groups protesting the COVID restrictions. And there's other things out here, like the Kelly Stafford thing, where she said, I don't like living in a place where they tell me what I can and cannot do. And then there was a lady in Kansas who referred to COVID lockdowns as comparable to Nazi Germany, saying that, do you really want people telling on their neighbors and friends and family like Nazi Germany? Like, and also saying, seeing a person walking towards me with a mask and sunglasses and a hat used to make me fear fearful. Now, I don't feel anything at all, and that makes it worse. Now, one of the things that (laughs) I want...
0: But what if if it's a black man? That's different, right? (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, come on, Karen. Lay it all out on the
1: line. So here's my thought about this COVID stuff, and and this is why I wanted to bring this up. I feel like this all comes back to personal accountability, right? Because if politicians are going to tell us, hey, like, don't do this. Then stop fucking doing it yourselves. Like, that's the thing. You are a leader. You have been elected to be a leader. You need to lead by example and not privilege. Because you have the privilege to jump on a plane and be safe and take a chartered plane. You know, mom and pop don't have that same privilege. But if you're telling people don't do this, why are you doing it? That is as fundamental in breaking down people's trust in you as anything, because no one wants to listen to you do to listen to you and do what you tell them to do. If you're not willing to do it.
0: Well, and here's the thing is, uh, which side of the aisle does that mayor sit on? He's a democratic mayor. And just a couple of weeks ago, there was this huge dinner that uh, was going to be thrown for new members of, was it the house? I think. Um, And Nancy Pelosi, who obviously one of the biggest Democrats there is, came out and said, uh, well, you know, they're going to be socially distanced. It's going to be okay before they canceled it. So here's here's the big problem, right? Like I am very, very firmly on the left-hand side of the spectrum, but we've got people on the right who are saying that disease either doesn't exist or you're being pussies about it and we just, we're not going to deal with it. Just go out there and you know, wear no mask and everything will be fine. And then you got people on the left who are saying, no, we need to wear a mask and you need to not travel. And then what are they doing? They're not wearing a fucking mask and they're traveling, right? So we got one side who doesn't give a shit about anybody and they're just saying, you know, let people die, who cares? And you got people on the other side who are saying, we don't want people to die, we need to take care of it. But then they're above the law themselves and they can do whatever they want. So I think the moral of the story is, all those fuckers are assholes in one degree or another, or the vast majority of them. And, uh, you know, we it, it comes back to your point. It's personal accountability, right? People need to look at this, and they need to take care of themselves. And unfortunately, we live in a world where people care more about other things than they do about themselves or their fellow man. I mean, the, the pope, who I'm not a religious person whatsoever, but uh, the reason I threw that on the run sheet is I saw um, – I I, ha- I have this horrible habit, people. Let me, let me tell you about my horrible habit. I actually read the comments on Facebook. It's a bad thing. Don't do it. I'm doing it for you, so you don't have to do it. Um, and there's a story about, you know, the Pope, after the Supreme Court decision that they, um, they removed what New York was trying to do to limit gatherings at church because, God forbid, you have to go to church to pray. Like, I figure you could pray in your own fucking house. What the fuck do I know? you can even dress up in your fancy fucking church clothes and pray at home too. You can do that too. You can probably buy some fucking crusty bread and some cheap ass wine and even do the the bread wine thing. You can do that at home too. Like all this shit can be done at home. But now I'm I'm on my religion train and that's a different story. So the, the pope came out and basically said, you know, we we need to take this seriously. We really the thing is is these decisions they hurt primarily the most vulnerable people in our society. And those are the people we need to watch out for the most. The people who are already sick or the people who, you know, don't don't have the means to, to take care of themselves if something bad happens. These are the people we need to take care of. And instead, what we've got are a bunch of people who are saying, ah, fuck them. Who cares? I don't give a shit what they say. There is somebody on this fucking thread in the comments. Um, somebody actually called out and said, Look, this is so the initial comment was something about you know, this is right. We need to, we need to be able to go to our church. Fuck you, dude. But then somebody comment is like, dude, this is, this is the Pope. This is, this is like the head of your whole group, right? Like he's the one who's saying, you know, as, as Christians, we need to take care of the people that we can take care of. That's what we're all about. And somebody commented and said, he's not the Pope. He's not a Christian. He's the antichrist. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about people? Like, Blowing my fucking mind. It's the the way that people just twist things to fit their stupid ass crazy fucking Karen narrative. I my eyes popped out of my head and started bleeding. I I j I don't know how to I don't know what to do with these people anymore, man. I
1: think I know what you should do. I think you should play the
0: Zeke Elliott. Zeke
1: Elliott feed me of the week. Because that's what this has to be. Because you <laughs> eating this is like Zeke Elliott just filling his belly with that bullshit
0: that makes him fumble on fourth down. Uh, <laughs> there was a I just, g- point, I just gotta point out that there's a there's a streamer that I follow on Twitch or on Twitter and I watch him every now and then. But his 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 like his Twitter handle is like Ezekiel underscore three I-I-I or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So like every week Bunch of Cowboy fans who are pissed because the Cowboy sucks so they're pissed every week. They start posting all this bullshit about Zeke Elliott is horrible and Zeke fumbles and blah, 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 blah. But they tag him instead of the real Zeke Elliott. And he responds to all of these like a smartass. It's fucking brilliant. So you should look it up. It's great. It is pretty brilliant. My favorite thing
1: of the week that I saw was there was a GIF of Zeke Elliott's head transposed onto kevin from the office where like kevin was walking in with the chili and he like oh. Spilled it all. <laughs> on the floor. oh that's brilliant i love it anyway so that's our covid cray cray for the week so now we've got two options we can roll into our uh extra points and we can save the uh, random rankings for another day or we can pound through this random rank and what are your thoughts here
0: I'm thinking based on time, let's uh let's just run straight to the extra point.
1: All right. So Random Rankins is gonna take the week off. It's it's gotta buy. It it uh contracted COVID nineteen along with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> because we forgot to talk about that fuck knuckle for the Ravens who had symptoms and went into the office anyway, and that's how they've gotten themselves into this position.
0: No uh, fucking people, man. But
1: Anyway, so I'm going to let you go first with your extra point this week because every time that I do an extra point, you're like, I should have gone first. This week, you get to go first. Hit oh, the people.
0: I, I don't like going first. But um, so I had an idea as to what I wanted to talk about. And then I went back and forth as to whether it's too early to do this. But I'm going to do it anyway. So last week, our extra point was about trying to help other people, right? And trying to, um, people who, who are, maybe not in a position that you are or that we are and how can you help out? And I mentioned then that I had an idea that I wanted to kind of spur on, um, because it wasn't, it was, there wasn't enough time to do something for Thanksgiving. So for the next month or so, I'm going to mention this here and there, um, on the podcast, definitely on stream. Um, because I, I want to, I'm in a position where, where I can, I can kind of help some other people. And, uh, I think there are some people out there who are also in that position, um, and I think it's important that we do that if we're able to. And I want to share a story that leads into this. So uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, I grew up poor. I think it's some word that we would use. In fact, my uh, my dad used to say we poe. We can't even afford the OR on the end. Like we just poe. Um, and that impacted all sorts of areas of life. We don't need to get into all that. Last week, I talked a little bit about how that impacted Thanksgiving and how we got food delivered to us at one point or a couple of times um and we were all excited because we we knew that we'd actually have a thanksgiving meal which was nice but this is a story that um this is a this is a christmas story and it's a story that I try to to reminisce on as much as I can and it comes up every time this time of year and because today is black friday where people are buying all kinds of crazy stuff that they don't need they're going to resell it. They're going to give it off to people, whatever the case may be. I thought this was a good time to kind of ground myself and and maybe ground some other people too. So um, I came home from school. It was, uh, I was in my teenage years. So I was probably 13, 14, 15-ish, that, that range. Um, probably in the 15 range. Um, and I came home and uh, <laughs> I'm going to date myself here. Uh, I noticed on the kitchen table was a cassette tape. Now, for those kids out there who don't know, a cassette tape is what we li- used to listen to music before you stream music, which were CDs. And before the CDs, they were cassette tapes. So there was a cassette tape. It was a Garth Brooks cassette tape. Rope in the Wind was the exact album. And uh, and I asked my mom, who was home at the time. I said, hey, what, what is this? And uh, she told me that um, some people had bought gifts for us because we were poor and they wanted to make sure we could have a good Christmas. And uh, she said, somebody bought that for you. She says, "Uh, but I know you, I know you don't listen to that kind of music. So um, I'm just going to keep that and I'll, I'll buy you something else. And uh, I don't know why at that age, right. That this even dawned on me to say, but um, I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to keep this and I'm going to listen to this. And I should you not, I became a big country music fan, a huge Garth Brooks fan um, because of that one act. And I think, I think back on that and I'm getting a little bit emotional, but it, it, it touched me so much that some person that I never knew probably never will know um, cared enough about some strange kid to buy him a gift. And Christmas and the holidays, I think, are, whether you're religious or not, it's a very special time for people, but it's also a very, very difficult time for people, whether that's because they've had loss around that time of year, or maybe they just can't afford to give a great big Christmas to to their families or their friends or, or the people that they love, and I've, I've been blessed over you know the last number of years that I'm in a position where I can help some people. I, I sure as hell can't give a bunch, but I can give something, and I want to do that. So uh, there's a couple different local groups that I'm kind of looking at. I'm still deciding exactly which one I want to support and how to support that. But in the coming days and weeks and months, um, I'll be sharing that with you either through the, the Twitch channel, social media, and then on this podcast, I'll bring it up as well. And and I'd, I'd like to ask anybody who's listening or watching, if you're able and if your hearts there, which I certainly hope it is, um, that you you assist as well. And if you don't if you don't want to give or if you can't give, but if you don't want to give to to the certain group that that I come up with, find your own. Um, one of those things where you can just buy a gift for somebody or buy a meal for somebody or, or whatever the case may be. I think. This is a time of year when when we really need to help people and a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are struggling hard. So I think that's something all of us can do. And that's my ask of you.
1: That's great. I mean, I definitely want to know more about that. I'm definitely willing to jump in and do anything that I can do. And I think this kind of ties in to my extra point. I didn't know that it was going to tie into my extra point, but I think it's very interesting, right? Because... One of the things that I'm going to talk about today is finding your A-plus skill. This is something that I stole directly from Trent Shelton. This morning I got up and it was beautiful outside and I'm like, I'm going to go for a walk. So I put on my audiobook from Trent Shelton and I'm listening and I'm thinking and he's talking about, you know, everybody's got a skill and you have to figure out what it is. And sometimes your skill is something that you can monetize, sometimes it's not but find your skill and then be able to give that to the world. Because if you keep it to yourself, you're not doing anyone a service. So whatever your skill is, give it to the world. And I think that that's part of this, right? Because there are some people who might not be able to give financially, but you might be the type of person that can help someone to build something that they need. You might be the type of person who by just listening to someone can help them feel valued and part of something. You might be the type of person who can do something for others that they're not able to do for themselves, you know, shovel their walkway or whatever. So there's lots of different ways to give back to the world. And if you're able to find what your skill is and you're able to give back to the world, I think that's what the most important thing is because your legacy is what you leave right now. And it's not about your legacy. You don't have to make it about you, but when you don't make it about you, that's when hopefully you will achieve the most because you're not thinking about how this is going to benefit me. You're thinking about how this is going to benefit the greater good.
0: Yeah, no, I, th- I think that makes a ton of sense, and I think it's it's really about looking looking beyond yourself, right? That's what it all comes down to is is looking outside of that box. And I think that's something we're all capable of doing. I think it's all we need something we all need to do a little bit more of. Honestly. I dig-
1: I agree. And it was interesting. One of the other things that uh, Trent was talking about is the difference between happiness and, you know, desire or the happiness and want. Because people always will say, happiness, I want to be happy. Well, sometimes what makes you happy isn't what you need. Sometimes what makes you happy isn't what the world needs. You know, the connection between happiness and want and desire sometimes is. Not great, because people will say, well, I want that PS5. I need that PS5. That PS5 is going to make me happy. But what you could do with that money that you're spending on that PS5 could make all the world of difference for someone else. And knowing that you've made all the world of difference for someone else is going to last longer than any piece of entertainment.
0: Yep, I agree completely.
1: So, with that, we will uh, wrap this up here. We're going to put a nice little bow on it. So, this is We Random, episode 16. We are going to plug our socials. So, as you know, on Fridays at 5.30 Central Time, you can find us on twitch.tv backslash skonzi, S-K-O-N-Z-I-I, if you would like to see all of our fun stuff. And if you are watching on Twitch, you can see all of our fun little links If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find Almost Qualified Productions at at AQ underscore P-R-O-D. You can find me, I am Brian, at Landmark M-K-E on Twitter. You can find Christopher at skonzi on Twitter. And you can also find us on Anchor on your favorite podcast app. And because the internet remembers everything... If you just Google us, I'm sure you'll find us there
0: too. And, <laughs> I'm sure you will.
1: And now with Sidewalk, you can even log into our Wi-Fi network if you'd like.
0: Oh, snap.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you have any other parting words for the people tonight, Christopher? I do not. All right. Well, until next time, people, thank you for listening to We WeRandom. Um, be safe. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next week.
0: See you, everybody. Bye-bye.